Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Amanda Kay, and she is the founder of the Passive Income Investors Group. Amanda, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me, Wesley. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining. And, you know, before we get started, would you mind letting the people know where they could find you on social media or your uh, websites anywhere on the Internet? Yep. So um, I am on all channels uh, for Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and then also my website is PassiveIncomeInvestorsGroup.com. So everything you can look up Passive Income Investors Group, and I will be there um, under that title. I don't have, um, it's really just Facebook and and, um, LinkedIn that I have for social media. Awesome. So let's just start from the top and talk a little bit about you know, where you're from and where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I lived there for uh, 30 years. I did um, uh, a lot of my largest professional growth experience came from from working there. And I, I worked for Fortune 50 companies as a financial advisor out there. Um, then I, I just kind of decided that I wanted to try something new. So at 30, I wasn't married, didn't have kids. I was like, man, I need to do this transition right now. So I ended up moving and and came out to Dallas, Texas and did what everyone does when they moved to Texas and started in oil and gas and did investments, um, sold mineral rights, pipelines, tank fabrication, uh, anything you can think of drilling deals. And I absolutely loved it, became fascinated about how how much energy and oil impacts literally every single thing that we do in our lives. Um, and so now I'm currently based in Dallas, but I'm in Arizona. And so um, I'm, I'm relocating back next month. How would you say that growing up in Phoenix impacted your outlook on life and success? You know, I, I've been very blessed. Um, very close with my dad and he uh, is very competitive in sports by nature and I had I'm the youngest of six so I really had to fight to keep up and um, be scrappy as I could be and play all the sports that I could play and um, I really just knew very good people and I've been very blessed I know it's not the case for everyone but I had bosses who I really looked up to and who motivated me. So if I was going to pick um, where I'd want to work, I, I just got so lucky in the selections that I did. And I, I think a little bit of that was intentional. Um, where could I feel like I'm going to grow from the most? Uh, where am I going to get the most value in the experience working there? And then in the interview process, the interviewer, you're interviewing your boss as much as they're interviewing you. Um, and I ended up, I was at Arizona State University and um I went to school for 12 hours a day on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I tried to fit as much as I could into those two days so that I could work 40 hours the other five days. Um, Mm. And I worked for Lowe's Home Improvement, um, which was a lot of fun. I just did cashiering and then they'd be like, hey, if you want to move up to customer service, hey, how would you like to promote to installs? Hey, how would you like to promote to cash office, then admin? And I just kept moving while I was still going through school. Um, and it was such a great learning experience for me because I learned operations and 
every aspect of the business and how to become profitable, what they needed, what the clients needed. Um, And then eventually when I graduated, they offered me a position as an assistant store manager. So I did sales and operations um, and I managed contractor sales. And from there, that's when my passion um, really took off. And I got to start seeing the other side of things and working with wealthier investors because business owners or the commercial sales um, clients, they they have needs, they have budgets, they have everything. Um, and so I had a, a lot of experience working with my bosses there who were just very incredibly passionate about everything they did. And from there, I went um, to Edward Jones um, because I liked the, the the dollar side of things. I had to door knock for clients at Edward Jones, which teaches you a lot about yourself. <laughs> um, you have a lot of time to spend uh, reflecting on what you just said from every client as you walk to the next door. And so just putting myself through a lot of real Really hard experiences that also made me better I feel like um, was such a big value add in Arizona that's what I think about man that is incredible you know I, I feel like you, <laughs> I feel like you said a lot of like important key words and, and key themes um, in your response but you know the first thing being that you were intentional and you kind of you had a vision and, and goals and ideas that you wanted to accomplish even at a young age, even in college. Like most people go through college and just thinking about partying or or just getting through it. But you were strategic, like in every step of the way from, um, you know, front loading your classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays to then still have the availability to be able to work 40 hours a week and learn as much as possible. I mean, I think that's an incredible mindset to have. And it also just speaks to your work ethic as well. Like being able to keep up with a 40 hour a week job and and being able to manage, uh, you know, those two at the same time, um, again, just goes back to speak speak about your mindset, which is, uh, you know, something that I really admire and just how you absorbed all of the information and you understood how to get the most out of every situation that you were in. Every job you had, you were able to utilize it to help prepare you for the next step in life or, or to be better at the, at the next goal you set for yourself. Yeah, I think, I think I learned pretty early on and it was more just my personality. And if I don't, if, if I don't like it, if I don't enjoy it, I just cut it off. I don't want to do it. And so in, in school, I was always really driven because I just had fun there. Arizona state university is a great school, but, um, just being on campus, you feel this vibration of, of energy and, you know, it's a really big engineering school and business school. And so knowing people who are better than you, those people, those kids are incredibly talented and smart. And so it kind of just like made me really want to be like them. Um, and then in business too, if I'm not enjoying it, you know, I'll be honest, when I first started, I was a cashier and I'd call, they only put me part-time and I would call out, you know, I just didn't see um, I just didn't see it right away. And then someone I was lucky enough sat me down and was like, we know your personality. We've been watching you. Um, I think you'd add a lot of value if you just applied yourself. And I, I really thought about it and I was like, why am I not taking this as seriously from a financial perspective as I could, if I can move up and be full time then and make the benefits of having health insurance, having um, a 401k, starting this young, and then also 
learn the different aspects of the business. Why am I not taking this more seriously? And so I had a real mindset uh, mindset shift. And then I started really enjoying what I did when I applied myself, because if you don't enjoy it and you don't think of it as a business, then you're not going to do well and succeed at it. If you think you're just showing up every day because you have a task to do, then you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to apply yourself. So when I took it as, oh, this is a learning opportunity for me with a fortune 50 company, then why would I not take advantage of it? Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, something else really cool that I think you, you, um, that you said earlier was that you worked at Edward Jones and you were going door to door. And mm -hmm. I think the door to door part is really important because yeah. a lot of successful, um, entrepreneurs, um, business owners, had that somewhere in their history like in their past they had to go door to door they had to face rejection they had to practice on talking to people that they didn't know and have never met before so i mean what experiences did you take away from that moment from that uh time period in your life i think that was really when it clicked for me that everything in life is a hundred percent mental so because in arizona it's a, a hundred and 20 degrees 115 degrees in the middle of summer um and edward jones is very very strict on their dress code so you had to wear mm. a full suit <laughs> and so i'm i'm just getting all my licenses and they're telling you okay usually it takes a few years for you to get an office so in the meantime you have to build up your book um a little bit of it too i think was to weed out those who were intentional versus those who weren't to see if they would do the the actual steps um and the process that it takes because it's painful to be successful um but once you're there wow. it's worth it and so i did think a little bit of it was that um but i remember just calling my dad and being like dad I have makeup running down my face, my hair is sweaty, but I got my my biggest clients from going door to door. And my dad would always tell me if it was easy, everyone would do it. And and like and that really stuck with me because I didn't want to be 80% of the, the new financial advisors would fail. They'd quit. They didn't want to do it. And that's across the country. And I really didn't want to be that statistic. I wanted to be someone who stood out. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. And I, I'm very um, I don't believe in being salesy. I don't believe in being pitchy. So I took it as an opportunity of. I'm a little bit of an introvert. How do I learn how to talk to people literally at their doorstep and make them want to talk to me without pitching them? Right. And so it really just taught me, A, you just have to do it. You're not going to like it. It's going to work out. Um, be better than the, the failure statistic and just work through it. And then B, how do I approach people? How do I talk to people? Um, what do they need? And, and that's really what it is, is because I can go there and tell them I need clients all day. But if I'm not providing them a, a solution to their needs, then they're not going to work with me. And so that was absolutely probably the biggest learning experience of my entire life. And it, it honestly paid out. I ended up getting my own office. They let me um, take another financial advisor was leaving and they let me take over their office um, because I had proven myself and done so well within that first year I had my own. And it usually takes up to three years. Wow. <laughs> wow, man. I, I think you just said another great quote and I had to write it down. Um, but you said it's painful to be successful. And I think that's so true. Like there are so many sacrifices that come with success. 
but I want to I want to get your um, perspective on on that quote right there. What what does that mean to you when you say it's painful to be successful? You have to do the things that other people aren't willing to do. So um, going door to door, leaving your you know coming to passive income investors group. I founded this. I you know made seven figures last year, and I left that to start at zero. I, I couldn't take my clients with me. I couldn't do anything. I've never started my own business before. A lot of people with that uncertainty wouldn't do it. Um, you have to really have the mentality of, A, if I fail, I learned from it and it's going to make me even more successful in my next role or B, I'm going to be successful and just do what it takes no matter what. Um, and so for me, the pain comes from it's a Saturday and we're doing this call because I want to do this call. I see the value in it. Um, you know, I wake up really early every day. I, I meet my, I do personal training in the, um, with my, uh, uh, at my gym across the street every day. I'm there at five. I, I get up at five 30 so I could be there by six 30 because I know I need to work out and I'm going to work all day. So it's doing the things that most people don't want to do because you know, it's the right thing to do and it's going to lead you to the outcome that you want. If you're a very, I'm a very outcome driven person. And so I don't care what it takes to do in the middle of it, as long as I know that it's getting me to that outcome. And what I'm hearing right now is just fearlessness, man. Like in, in <laughs> and having real like faith and belief in yourself, which I think is, you know, I don't know, just hearing you talk right now, hearing your stories is really motivating to me. Um, you know, you say you were making seven figures, but you left that to start your own company, which I think is incredible. But you're right. Most people would not want to leave the comfort of that to start something that they don't know what could what, what the outcome could be. But, you know, I want to transition and talk a little bit about, um, you know, the current company that you're building and, and what you just mentioned. But I want to ask, what is Passive Income Investors Group? Yeah, so. um Kind of like we spoke about, um, I was a financial advisor before I did oil and gas. So a lot of my experience the last several years has been working with wealthy accredited investors. Um, in doing so, that's more of an education that you'll ever get from any college because typically they're all um, entrepreneurs. Um, and when you work um, nationally, you have every type of entrepreneur you can think of. I had um, manure salesmen, I had ice companies, I had a lot of farmers and ranchers, and a, um, a majority of the clients were dentists, doctors, lawyers. But when you get to know them on a personal level, you really understand the intricacies of not only their business, but also kind of the financial world, how they think. Um, and what I had come across is I felt like there was a lot that was missing in the uh, alternative investment space. There's not a lot of transparency. So you're just hoping that, man, I hope this oil company's um, on the up and up and that they're really drilling a well and that they're not just going to tell me it's a dry hole and take my money and close the LLC. So I'd had a lot of clients who had lost money over and over and, you know, they kept going. They didn't stop believing in it. But they also didn't have a lot of resources in order to make those success, uh, successful investments. So 
I founded and created Passive Income Investors Group, so it is a membership community for alternative or for accredited investors because I wanted to be kind of a, a one-stop shop for them as far as all of the resources that they can need and providing the peace of mind of safety. So what I mean by that is um, I have a third party do due diligence on every investment firm who works with me, which is incredibly unique because most um, groups like myself, what they'll do is they'll have an in-house compliance person who, um, I mean, you get paid to work with by the sponsors to be part of it, but they'll just say, hey, it looks good, sounds good, let's add them in. But I don't want that to be my decision. I want it to be, do they pass all of these special criteria financially um, on the key principle level? Um, and, and even then, then they can be considered. And so um, we do tax planning. We have every type of alternative investment you can have. And I'm a big believer in the education piece. So because if you're educated and you understand the investment, you know when to buy, you know what type of markets to get into, um, and, and really can take advantage of a lot of the opportunities that present themselves as, as a, a, an accredited wealthy investor. So you just mentioned that you're a big a big advocate for the education component. So like, how do you focus on educating your customers and your clients on these different alternative investments and in, you know different markets? So uh, I do it a few different ways is um, all of the sponsors who work with me, they do consistent uh, part of their agreement in working with the clients is, hey, they're just top tier. I, I'm really excited about the people that we have working with us because they believe in what they do and they're so good with their track records. Um, they have to uh really go above and beyond as far as communication with their clients on what's going on with their investments but we do um, what i call sponsor spotlights or we do um, zoom calls on different projects and where the investors can just ask questions so they'll explain the not just the specific investment but the industry so as for instance um, agriculture we have livestock crops They'll come on and say, um, you know, this is what we do. This is how the investment works, how the investor gets paid. Um, this is why you invest. Um, and they don't just do it for that specific investment. If there's a new change in government policy that's going to impact anything, we're just constantly putting out information. So that way they know they're best prepared for, okay, they, they have the investment managed. I don't need to worry about it because I understand what's happening with it. So there's, um, you know, as an, as an investor, fear and greed are usually the two drivers of, of investments for people. And we try to eliminate both of those by providing all of the right resources um, that they need so that they aren't fearful and they know better than to be greedy. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I think that that transparency that you provide that really um, builds trust with your clients and with the people around you, with potential business partners. And I also feel like it shows a more human side to the financial industry, a more human side to everything that you're doing with with the alternative assets, because you're um displaying empathy like you you really care about your investors you really care about your clients you don't want them in bad deals and you want to make sure you go the extra mile for them to be able to protect them and really help them grow their wealth and, and build assets 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it takes a, a lot to get to the point where you can invest in alternative assets. And I believe in these people so much in their own businesses and in their own lives. I am one of them. And, and I believe that people are majority good and they deserve good and they deserve the truth, even if the truth hurts. So if you're going to say, hey, you know, you're probably not going to make a lot of money this year because commodity prices are down. But long term, you explain to them the actual investment. They understand investors and and consumers in general, they they just want to know they, what's happening. They're very reasonable. Um, so to me, I, I really do think of it as like a community i do want to do we do the live and in, in, um, in person events and because i think that it's very important that the investors uh, meet each other so a they can learn from each other they can learn business tips from each other um but b they can also say hey i'm invested with so and so in the group what's your experience been and vice versa but with that you have now the the sponsors who are also meeting them <coughs> they can develop those long-term relationships with with their clients too and and they have the transparency of hearing another investor ask a question that they might not have thought of or were too scared to ask but now they're hearing it and they have to be honest with every single one because if you tell one person one thing and one person another you're going to get caught so um it's really really founded on um transparency uh, transparency honesty um, and, and just a, a great community of both investors and sponsors. Absolutely. And that was exactly what I was about to say. I, that sounded like the key word to me is building a community, um, yeah. building a foundation of people where they can go to each other and, and talk and discuss or, you know, whatever the case may be. But what would you say are some of the most common or lucrative um, assets, alternative assets that investors look at? Um, I I think the most common are the ones that are are not as exciting to people. Obviously, real real estate is a foundational piece to to any alternative investment portfolio, and it's made more people wealthy um, than any other asset. I would say. Um, I think it's really important on the the type of real estate you're doing um, and the structure of it and the company. Um, but I'm a, a big believer in that. Um, to me personally and inside of the group, I, I try and say stick with the necessities, although we do have the other investments as well. So you need real estate, you need energy, and you need agriculture. So 100% mm. of the population uses those three things. So um, if, especially in an environment where we're at right now, um, you have a lot of um, influx of people coming to the United States, which means that um, consumption of foods and proteins and crops is going up. Um, one of the things that I think is missing, it, it's so funny because most investors, they know that if if something's going um, down or if there's a, a arbitrage in a certain sector, they usually run from it. But the wealthier investors, the more educated investors go in because they know that that's the time to buy. So to me, I think the most lucrative are the ones that um, everybody uses. You can't avoid it. Um, and then be that ones that are going to generate you income, big uh, uh, passive income consistently. And so with agriculture, for instance, 
there's a really, really high demand for um, protein right now. And not just protein, but like good protein, um, grass fed, handled well by the farmers and ranchers, local. Um, you're not shipping from all over. So that way it's fresher. And so unfortunately for consumers um, and day to day buyers of it, they're paying a really heavy price at the grocery store for everything, for vegetables, for fruits, for meat. And it's it's really unfortunate, but the other side of that is you can invest in it and, and have that offset on pricing. You can have, um, you know, the cash flow to reinvest or redirect and do things like that. So to me, those are the most lucrative things that, that you can possibly be in and also a way to protect yourself financially from higher costs on inflation and things that you're paying for day to day as well. Absolutely. I think that's a great um, perspective to have. And, you know, really great advice is just to um, invest in the necessities. I mean, it makes so much sense. I, I, uh, I hear a lot of people also say similar things like um, when you do want to start investing, invest in what you use the most. Because if you're using it, then there are yeah. most likely millions of other people using it as well. So, I mean, I yeah. think that's some really, really great actionable advice. Um, you know, you mentioned that right now prices inflation is is going crazy right now prices for everything is going up mm -hmm. um you know when we've been hearing a lot in the news about uh the US dollar um you know losing some of its value losing some some of its strength but i want to ask what does it mean for investors to have the value of the dollar decline and other countries move away from the US dollar as the overall global currency um that's being used for trade yeah, that's such a great question, because whether you're an investor or not, it impacts you. Um, so we know that uh, FERC and we, there's about 20 other countries right now who have just recently um, moved away from using the dollar for trades um, and their normal everyday practices. For investors that and consumers, it's detrimental because if the value of the dollar decreases, you're paying so much more for everything. Um, the other part of that is you're you're losing a lot of the incentive from um, businesses and um, entrepreneurs to invest, reinvest back into the community. So, for instance, hiring is gonna is gonna go down because if the cost of everything's higher, they're probably not selling as much. You're gonna lose a lot of the employer access. Transportation is so much more expensive. I every time I remember when plane tickets round trip, well, I thought two hundred dollars was expensive. I just went to go visit my brother in Pennsylvania, and it was almost seven hundred, and I bought it weeks out. So transportation, going to gas, I'm lucky enough that I work from home, so I don't have to pay that as often, um, but that's huge. And then also grocery costs. I mean, I spend hundreds of dollars a week on groceries and I don't eat out. I'm very strict on on that and diets, but I do eat three meals a day. And so um, for for investors, again, it goes back to you have to be a little bit pickier, you, you know, maybe you don't need the car wash investment or the ATM investment. What am I going to do that's going to generate, it's going to keep pace with inflation, but also generate me wealth. I I, I want, I have, I want to reach them. What am I going to do that's going to 
stay where, uh, keep up with what it needs to do and do more. And so we really look at assets that are going to hit those goals because anything with income, you can reinvest it and continue to build that as much as possible and compound it. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of gold. I understand its its need, um, but I, I don't believe in in storing your money there long term. I think there was like a 10 year period where the S&P did um, over the 10 years over 14 percent average and gold did negative 5 percent. But that's at a time where it severely increased and then dropped. But during that time in holding, it generated no income unless you're in like a an ETF, probably no dividends um, if you're in those kinds of stocks, things like that. So um, I think for investors with countries moving away from the dollar, you have to really think of long term and protecting your wealth because it's not going to go back. It's not moving back. And the government's the government solution right now is to print more money and that's devaluing it even further. And we're so in debt and people don't understand um, China and Japan are the largest debt holders for the United States as far as our bonds. They're not going to continue doing that. We're not going to have any real resources of structure for to keep the economy where it needs to be. So investors just need to be very smart on where they place their their funds um, and think long term on, is this a necessity? Am I going to um, keep up with uh, inflation? And and can I generate income beyond that? Absolutely. No, I think you made a lot of great points. And something that I personally resonate with or agree with is your thoughts on gold um, or buying gold as an asset. And that's my main uh, one of my main arguments about gold too is being that it's not an income producing asset. Yeah. So if I if I want to buy an asset, if I want to own something, the main thing for me is that it can just generate passive income. Yeah, I mean, if you can invest in gold mining <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and be a part of the actual company, that's one thing, because um, then you can sell it. Um, the the thing about gold that's unique, which I think why it gets so much draw to it, is it's probably one of the only things in the world that works out both as both a commodity and a currency. Um, but it doesn't generate wealth in my perspective. Absolutely. You work with several entrepreneurs, several wealthy investors. What have you learned from that experience? How is their mindset different from um, the other 90% of the world? Yeah, I, you know, it's so funny is I used to be on the other side of this and I'm like, you know, they just don't understand. They don't understand the everyday people. They don't understand what we're going through. And then once I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a whole new world that I have just been seeing wrong and I've not been, I don't understand and most people don't understand. Um, So A, I think obviously the work ethic, they do the things that nobody wants to do um, and they start it from scratch. So when you see these businesses that are crazy successful, everyone starts from zero. I don't care who you are. Everyone starts from zero when they're starting a business. And their mindset is is so unique in the fact that they see a goal and they get it 
Um, the other thing that I think is interesting as far as investment wise um, for, for wealthy investors versus not is they actually are a little more conservative on what the, the types of returns that they want to receive. So, you know, you get a lot of people out here and there are a lot of assets that will deliver you 15, 20, 25 percent. They're usually typically the riskier assets and, and they can fluctuate quite a bit. Um, and you got to be with the right companies and they are out there and I have a lot of them myself. But when you're working with um, wealthier investors, they're fine with eight to 10 percent a year. That, that's not something that's going to deter them from something. Um, and, and they know how to structure it and and um, ladder different income sources and, and different, you know, is this a long term hold versus a, a short term hold type of thing. Um, so I do find them to be a little bit more um, considerate on, on what they invest in, um, preservation being um key for almost all of them is preservation and then income and so that's something that's been really good and um, and then the other thing is you know they don't let greed determine what what they're going to invest in um everything else is just kind of a bonus if it's above a certain um investment for them so i i think their mentality on on investments is is a lot different from what i've seen um you know, I, and also when they start, when I was a financial advisor starting out, I had a lot of clients who would come to me at 40, 45. Um, and at the time I'm young, I'm 30 and they're like, I need to start a retirement. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, what are we working with? What do we have? Nothing. I'm, I, I haven't started at all for retirement, but I also want to retire early. It's like, oh, well, don't we all like, good luck. There's, there's no magic pill that I can give you that, that's going to fix that. Um, and I think a lot of times people realize that they just need to be realistic and, um, you know, working with the 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 more entrepreneurial mindset. They, when they look at their businesses, things like that, they're always looking at what's best, what's not risky. And they do they translate that over into the investment. Well, you mentioned uh, how the wealthy understand how to structure their investments in their assets to uh create and rely on multiple streams of income mm -hmm. um what would you say is the importance of being able to create different revenue streams i mean yeah so every market is different right so um you know you're gonna have like oil and gas for instance um th during COVID, it got to negative 40 um, five dollars a barrel that's when you buy and that's when a lot of people did because then the next year next two years it went up to 125 so people who bought it low i mean they just made bank the last few years and um, which is great because that's the industry that i was in so it was wonderful but um i think they they understand that i'm not buying this to hold it for a year hope that it pops and then sell it i'm gonna buy multiple sectors in energy, real estate, and agriculture that are necessities, and they're just going to generate me consistent income. Sometimes it's, you know, if you're looking at an average over the course of so many years, which is usually how they consider it, some years it's going to be 5%, some years it's going to be 12%. So you have to take the good with the bad in it and know that I'm diversified enough that when some investments are, are higher, some investments are lower, but it's not going to hurt me ultimately because I have the diversification needed in the different investments that are still generating me that income. 
you've had the ability to um, travel, uh, live in different areas, move to different places. How did you focus on building your network, building up your sponsors, um, getting that outreach to your clients? How did you focus on building that network and how important has that networking piece been um, you know, towards your current success? Mm -hmm. I think for anyone, whether you're an investor or an entrepreneur, I, I, it's such a cliche saying, but your network really is your, your net worth. So if you have good investments, for instance, you're going to tell all your friends and family, hey, I invested with this company and they killed it. I, I do great. They're reliable. They're successful. You should invest with them. The same thing goes with you know, being on the investor entrepreneur side, if, if I do what I'm supposed to do, if I deliver the service that I say I deliver, and I, I get you the outcome that you want to get, you're going to refer me. And so that's why I don't charge an arm and a leg for anything is because I believe that if I add value, someone's going to want to work with me, and they're going to refer their friends and their family. Um, I, I was blessed enough that when I did work in my last role, all of my, and even currently, um, all of my clients are national. So, you know, I was in Fargo, North Dakota, I was in um, Spearfish, South Dakota, I was in San Francisco and Florida, and I traveled literally to almost every single state. Um, and I got the experience of learning that there are a lot of differences and different viewpoints and different things in different states. Um, but if you just genuinely build the relationship with those investors, things just come naturally. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing that I took away from it is I can do this on my own. I I, I would like to do this on my own. Um, I love the relationships with the clients that I had. I wanted to be bigger than just one asset in their portfolio. I wanted to help them with their whole portfolio. Um, so I think traveling, you learn a lot of different um cultures in, in different cities a lot of different people how they invest and how they see things how cities structure things how taxes impact them it's different in every state um so you kind of just learn a lot about the investor but ultimately it all just comes down to relationship and and if you're a good person they'll see it how do you define success as an entrepreneur and as a founder at this point in your career um, I, th I'm a big believer in, I mean, you're never going to fully be as successful as you ever want to be. I've never met <laughs> uh, an entrepreneur, a millionaire, a billionaire. I've worked with both that say, this is enough. I I've, I'm done. Um, I think just consistently showing up every day is successful. You know, I'm, um, I'm in a newer, um, company i mean we've been around we, we have a, a good a good thing going but it's um just being able to show up every day and see continual progression so every day something new is happening that's putting me in a position that betters my company and betters my investors um and so i think a lot of it is kind of that mindset am i able to still wake up and go to the gym every day and know that you know, I need to do that. Am I doing all of the things that I have to absolutely do? I'm able to eat. I'm able to have a roof over my head and, and continue going. And so to me, um, that's, I, I'm lucky and I'm blessed and I'm successful in 
before I even get huge. Absolutely, man. I think that's a super dope quote. I'm actually probably about to go tweet that right now. But <laughs> you said um, consistently showing up every day is a success. And yes. I think that's something that a lot of people overlook. Like, I think that was such a great answer. It's just, um, you know, consistent progress. That is the success. Yeah. Having the ability and the freedom to do what you love and do what you enjoy. That's the success in itself. It really sounds to me like um, uh, falling in love with the journey, like falling in love with the process, you know? Yeah, that kind of goes back to what I was saying, you know, about school and, and work all the time. You have to love what you do. And if you love what you do, you're you're successful. I, I mean, everyone has a different vision of what that looks like. Some people dream of the the picket white fence and the the husband and the, the wife and the kids and all of that. And that is success to them. Another person into their business. So everyone has a different dream. But are you showing up every day to make that your reality? And if you are, even if you have days that you fail, I'm a big believer in failure. Everyone has to fail. I think failure is success because you learn from it and you're not going to, you're not going to repeat those same cycles. So I think just showing up for yourself, even when you don't want to is success. Absolutely. What does the future of passive income investors group look like to you? Um, you know, I, I really love the, the community. I love, um, the continued growth that we're seeing. I I would love to have just a large community of investors who um, don't just take the benefits away from the exposure and the access to, you know, the investments that they get that they wouldn't normally get outside of it, but also to continue to learn and build and grow in their own businesses um, and just become this like force of of members who really understand and believe in the in the goal and then each other and just a community is really what I want. So just continued growth there. Um, I, I've seen a lot of companies do what we do and they have a thousand, two thousand, five thousand members. I don't want that. I'll never want that. I want to be an exclusive, tight knit community um, of, of just people who, who enjoy the same things, take it seriously um, and, and have a good time together. Absolutely. Amanda K, thank you so much for your time today. Um, thank you for sharing this great information. Like I said, while you've been talking, I've been like taking notes and writing down all your quotes. This has been incredible to me. Um, and yeah, your your mindset is amazing. So thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been a great, um, great experience for me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of your show. Absolutely.